Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. A company always on the run, a destiny. And welcome to another episode of Habs Unfiltered, episode 95, the unnamed version yet. Uh, we'll put something together later. Uh, I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Good morning. And Treg the Villain Wilson. Deuces. So, um, just to give a quick mention and a shout out to our friends over at uh, Habilisten, the show is back supposedly haven't seen a, haven't haven't seen an episode released yet you know Vinny, gibby and lewis haven't done much they they promise things and they never deliver it's not that our hearts are broken but you know our hearts are broken um i'd like to do a little quick shout out to good stick lucky dia you are the bestie out of the two between you and gibby i don't care Gibby, uh, Gibby can't step up and be be the man he says he is. So, we're doing it. And um, I had a just a quick aside with with the three of us. Uh, I had a quick chat with uh, Chili Pepper Veronica from Habs uh, from Habby Hour, and uh, we were talking about independent podcasts and how we support each other. And it's nice to see other podcasters supporting each other. So. Quick shout out to all of them and every other podcaster that listens to us. Thank you. We appreciate your support. Even the Toronto ones like Offside Hockey and uh, a few others. Well, I didn't want to mention Toronto stuff because we are not allowed to talk about anything but Habs, according to some people. Yes. Yes. I've been been told that. (laughs) Yeah. But Offside, yes. Thank you for listening. Anyway, enough jibber jabber we're gonna get right into it uh unlike other shows we don't do a half hour of you know fluffing each other and garbage talk so uh we're gonna just jump right into the first topic so you remember when we were all talking about uh winning against the pens and how it helped give the youth experience 
and moving back to 16th from ninth. Terrible um, move. Horrible. Horrible. It showed that uh, Kotniemi and Suzuki were ready to step up and finally have some young centers who can be good. Uh, and it, do you guys think that this pushed Bergevin into doing what he did? Yes. I think uh, with the, the way that they played against the Penguins and against Philly, because they, they outplayed both teams in both series. It just one happened, they win, one they lost. Uh, and, the, and the level of play that Kotniemi and Suzuki bumped up to, I think it, I don't think, I don't know if it, I think it forced his hand to do it maybe a year earlier than maybe he was planning. Uh, but I think also the um, talks with the veterans like Petrie, Weber, because Petrie was very adamant that he wanted you know, to start adding to the team. Um, I think that kind of, uh, I don't say pushed him. Uh, I think it just pushed him to do it earlier than what he was planning. And uh, I think it was good. I think, uh, you know, all those complaining that he wasn't spending to the cap. Well, guess what? He he went to the cap and then and you all turned on him and said he was spending too much money. So I, I don't know. I don't know what people want, but uh, um, I, I think it kind of did. I think it, I don't know if it pushed him, but I think it just sort of made him look and see that this team is now ready to take that next step forward. What about you, Matt? I agree. I, I'd say that uh, it was a good stepping stone to take the to, to take the next step into that next um, that next level of play. Uh, we see we saw the potential of uh, of a guy like Suzuki, and um, they're they're going to be able to with the additions they've made, they're going to be able to shelter some of these guys where they're not going to have to be the number ones. And we've seen in previous years that it's, you know, bargain bin, bargain bin, bargain bin, or the, or the person that's brought in is ridiculed before they even play a game with the team. You mean like Anderson is now? Well, yes, but I'm like, you know, I'm talking more of um, like when they brought in Radulov, like, like people went nuts and there's a lot of negativity. And then he came in, he was a, he played very well for them. He's a fan favorite. A lot of people wanted to keep him, et cetera. And um, like on day one, they brought in Baddock and everyone was like, Oh, here we go. Bringing in the goon, bringing in the, bringing in the bargain bin guy. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, we'll go through this later, but it's like Josh Anderson signs and Toffoli signs and uh, you know, uh, Allen resigns, et cetera. And all of a sudden you don't have just a team for this year. You've got a team for the following years. But to go back to the point, um, I believe that their play against Pittsburgh, they outplayed them. They outplayed Philly as well. They just didn't get the bounces. And I, I, I think that um, Bergevin looked at this team and said, we, can, we have the skill. We've got the youth. We've drafted well. It's time to shield these guys. It's time to build it up to the potential that this team can actually can actually uh, live up to. And um, it's nice to, it's nice to look at Canadians Twitter and have something to look forward to. And for the majority of fans to be very excited for this upcoming season, whenever it starts. Including fans such as Montreal design. Absolutely. I a hundred percent, hundred percent. Kelly, like, even when Brennan I see Kelly tweeted, when I uh, see positive tweets from Bobby, it makes my day. So shout out to Bobby. 
Stay positive, buddy. Yeah. And Brendan Kelly, <laughs> Brendan Kelly tweeted out a positive tweet. Like he said, you know, hey, I'm really impressed with what Bergevin's doing here. It really looks like he wants the team to, to move. I mean, he'll probably have some backhand comment later on. However, uh, you know, uh, Brendan Kelly's been wanting Bergevin fired since June 26th of 2016. So, <laughs> right. But like they, they didn't give, they didn't give away the team to be, to become better. Domi and a few draft picks. That's it. That's right. They did. Yeah. They, you know, like, and I'm not going to say anything bad about Domi, big Domi fan, wish him all the best in Columbus. Um, but I said, they didn't have to sacrifice anybody. They didn't have to. Uh, they didn't have to give up a bunch of draft picks. They didn't have to say, you know, we need to get under the cab. So here's a first round pick. Yeah. Other, so other other teams do that. So right? yeah. So essentially, somebody hacked Brandon Kelly's account. I think I think Bobby was kidnapped and replaced by a pod person. Um, <laughs> Bergevin was able to add all sorts of pieces to improve the team into what I think is an actual playoff contender now without giving up any, any picks, really. Not, no top 60 anyway. We, no prospects. We speak of picks. Montreal still has 14 picks next year. Yeah. And they had a good yeah. draft this year. Yeah, so they, and the, uh, the highest pick they gave up was a third in the Anderson trade. So they, yeah. they added all kinds of pieces that they needed. They, uh, they didn't give up any real quality picks, you know, the top 60 picks. They kept all of those. They even have three top 60 picks next year. Um, no prospects were given up. They have all their top prospects, and it's one of the top 10 prospect pools in the league. It could go as high as a three or as low as a nine. It depends on what website you go to. So it's a consensus top 10 pick. And we'll just jump right into it. Let's look at what Bergevin has done. So in his postseason press conference, he talked about what he felt he needed for this team to improve. And he mentioned a backup goal, a quality backup goaltender, uh, more size on defense, more size on the wings, some added scoring. And there was even some mention of a puck moving defenseman, but that wasn't him. That was someone in, um, in the questions. So the goalie to support price picked up Allen. People complained that the, they put too much cap into the goaltending. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he laid out a priority and he went and got a piece that fits that. And I think Allen is ideal for what they need. He said size on D. He threw out a fifth round pick and picked up Edmondson and signed him to a reasonable deal. Mentioned size on the wings. Went and got Anderson. He, tra- he had to trade Domi to make it happen. So to get quality, you give up quality. Uh, he even added to Foley, who can be considered size on the wings. He's over six foot. Uh, he needed added scoring. That's to Foley again. There's a guy that can score 20, 25 goals. And for the puck mover, he re-signed Petrie. So, I mean, you can't really say he didn't do what he said he was going to do. I mean, well, let's he also look brought at the... Romanov, who can move yeah. the puck and stay with the puck. So, so the young guys know... are moving up. We don't know what his level is going to be in the NHL, but judging by his KHL playing, he should be perfectly fine in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. So we're and now just to look at the timeline. Uh, it started on September 2nd. He traded for Allen. September 12th, traded for Edmondson. 
Four days later, signs Edmondson. September 25th, Petrie signs. This October 6th, trades for Anderson. Uh, October 7th, makes a few draft pick trades. The 8th, signs Anderson. The 12th, Toffoli signs. And on October 14th, the day after talks broke down with Brendan Gallagher, he signs Jake Allen to an extension and Brendan Gallagher to an extension. It's impressive. Talks broke down. He's still signing. I mean, that, I, I that's don't some think magic the, shit right there. I don't think the talks really broke down. And they totally to, broke down. According to Bergevin, they broke down. According to Bergevin and his presser, that was misinformation. Likely. So I, I just laid out what uh, Bergevin said he was going to do, what he did. Do you guys feel he's done enough? I mean, you've kind of alluded to it already, but we're just going to dive into this now. Bergevin's work this offseason. Matt, you go first. 100%. He, did, he, he, uh, he laid out a plan, and um, he executed that plan. I think his, his offseason, this is the best offseason he's had since he's uh, become the GM. He's, um, he said what he was going to do. He fulfilled his, uh, he fulfilled his agenda. He's um, he's made the team bigger, harder to play against, while still maintaining that level of speed. And um, he's protected um, he's protected um, Carey Price. He's brought in a very capable backup that um, had very good numbers last year. Hit a nine twenty seven save last year in twenty four games with the Blues, uh, New Brunswick boy. You know, go New Brunswick. And um, he signed him to a very reasonable extension as well. And um, yeah, hundred percent. Like if, uh, if Josh Anderson can stay healthy and that shoulder can be, uh, be healthy, it's, 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 it's a very exciting team. It's going to be a, it's going to be a team that's going to be hard to play against. You're not going to want to go into the boards with a lot of these guys. They've got the size on the wings. They've got scoring on the wings. And um, I'm really looking forward to what the next move is going to be. If they're going to start, looking into next season again with a Tatar or Deneau or a Armia or Lekkanen, et cetera. And um, right now it's just, it, it's an exciting time to be a fan. It really is. Um, I, I couldn't say anything negative about this off season right now. Greg, can you be the villain and say something negative? Uh, I think not, not really. Uh, is he done? He could probably use a, a an upgrade on the fourth line, uh, but the fourth line's already kind of kind of be upgraded due to players trickling down. So if Toffoli doesn't move to the left wing, and he didn't play very much left wing anywhere else that he played, so uh, that means Armia is now a fourth liner. Uh, on the left wing, the only thing I will say is now on the left wing you have Tatar, um, Drouin, Byron, and Lekkinen. So one of those guys is going to drop to the fourth line, whether it be Byron or whether it be Lekkanen. So, and then down the middle, you have, you have what you have down the middle. You have uh, Suzuki, Kotniemi, Deneau, and Evans, or Pope, Paling, or whoever you want to throw in there. Uh, do I think he's done? Pretty much, I think so. He pretty much said that he was pretty much done, and usually when Bergevin says he's done, he usually is. Um if I want to find any negatives out of it, uh, I guess it would be 
he put himself in a position next year to where either Tatar or Deneau might be a little bit harder to sign. So you might lose one of those players. But then again, when you look at the team, it's not going to be that much of a loss. Um, I think I'd rather keep Deneau over Tatar, but that's just me. Because, I mean, you're still going to have the guys like Caulfield and with all these right-wingers, where does he going to fit in in the next couple of years when he comes up in the NHL? Uh, you know, stuff like that. It's not stuff that you're, you're, is negative. It's actually positive stuff where you're kind of looking at, well, where does this guy fit in now? Like, your talent now is your depth. Something we've talked about on this show for quite some time on why Montreal was just a bubble team instead of an actual playoff team was because of depth. And now they have loads of depth. Like when you're putting guys like Byron and Armia on your fourth line because you have nowhere else to put them, you pretty much have now three second lines and one third line. Because we'll, I'll admit, Montreal does not have a first – unless Suzuki and Kotkaniemi turn into those uh, Cs we hope they turn into, right now we don't have a bona fide first line. We don't have a, a, a Marchand-Bergeron-Pasternak line or a Matthews-Nylander – whoever else plays with them line. You know what I mean? Like we don't have that line where you're like, oh, well, they're going to go out. That line's going to go out and score, you know, 60, 70 points each. And that's fine. You don't need that to win hockey games. St. Louis proved that. They won a cup without having a first line. So uh, uh, the way Bergevin did his defense, he couldn't really get the left-handed defenseman and he didn't want to give up stuff for him. So he said, you know what? I'm going to turn this defense into something totally different. I'm going to turn it into one of the hardest defenses to play. It's a playoff defense is what it is. And his hopes is that with Edmondson, Sherratt, Weber, Petrie, Romanoff, say you throw Fleury on there, his hope is is that the forwards are going to come in and go, if I cross this blue line, I'm going to get the shit beat out of me. I'm not quite sure if I want to, you know, how am I going to do this? It makes them think twice think more about what's going to happen to them than more about what they're going to do with the puck. Are we going to, is the defense great? Uh, it's better than it has been. Uh, but it, it's still, if anything to tweak, it's going to be the defense. And I still, you have that puck mover in, in Petrie. I believe Romanov is going to be a pretty good puck mover. So it depends on where he falls in the lineup. I don't think we need to worry about the defense. It's just a different defense. It's more of a, 80s type style early 90s style defense where their defense is going to go back play their zone play their whatever and the players are going to have to go around them to get anywhere and that's going to be a tough job to do because once they're back there you know they're going to have to beat them before they get to the blue line instead of trying to beat them when they get into the blue line this is really what the off other other teams offense is going to have to do with this defense and Allen was a great signing not only was it a good trade but it ended up being a good extension because he, he pretty much cut his uh, salary cap in half to stay with the Habs for another two years. So, And that's a great amount of time to get Primo ready to come into the league. Speaking yeah. of all these pieces, um, you, look at, uh, you look at the defense being harder to play against. You, you, you bring in a, a Jake Allen, et cetera. You've, uh, you've also improved the penalty kill. You're you're going to be able to clear the net a lot better. The guys you're you you brought in guys that are going to block shots. You brought in guys that are going to play physical along the boards, etc. Also, with them bringing in guys like Toffoli and Anderson, etc., you've got your scores that don't necessarily need to kill penalties. That means you can put guys from your bottom six more into those roles instead of having to dip into your top six like we've seen in previous years. 
to kill penalties and everything like that. And, it, 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 and if they can also get the power plays structure set up with the size that they brought in and with the, uh, with the shooters they brought in, we should see an increase to the power play as well. So as I said, Bergevin, you know, it's up to the coaches now. It's, it really is. It, it's, it's up to the coaches to employ these guys to get these lines created, get some chemistry going. Don't play fucking um, blender the lines every game. And uh, this team has a lot of potential. So you guys kind of touched on it as well, but Bergevin, he's still building from the net out. So he wants to improve the D. He added he a quality backup goaltender and you work on the D. So last year, the Canadians finished 19th in the NHL for goals allowed. With this defense and with these, uh, this goaltending tandem, that should be improved. It should yeah. be, uh, I would say, from anywhere from 13 to 15 in that range overall for the NHL. I don't think it's, it's a big leap to say that they'll, they'll cut their goals against. Um, the defense itself, yeah, there's not, they didn't add a typical quote-unquote puck mover. You know, a guy that picks up the puck and just carries it up ice like a Rorinsky or something. But the people they did add and the people that they do have coming, uh, Edmondson, uh, Romanov, Fleury, Juleson's probably going to be in the minors all year, but he's available there too. Norlander. A uh, <laughs> couple years away. But these guys uh, that are going to be on the roster this year or compete for a spot this year, they're big, they're strong, they hit, but they're mobile. It's not, it's not like a, a Hal Gill where he kind of just uses his wide reach to make people skate more and he stands still. They're not going to be doing what they did in 2010 where they, they lay down and block a ton of shots because they can't skate around and get the puck from the corners. Well, Hall laid down and he took over. He was like from one board to the other when he laid down anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they're, they're not going to play that style. They're going to they're gonna beat the shit out of you in the corner. If you go to the front of the net, you are going to pay a price. Uh, everybody on that, in this defensive lineup, minus Mete, will hit you. And when they do, you'll feel it. Mete's more of a kitten batting a, a yarn ball. Uh so he's got to have play positional defense, but everybody else, Romanov's known for his, his hitting. You name anybody else on that lineup, even Brett Kulak has thrown a hit or two. So they're uh, a much more difficult team to play against. And that, that was the knock on the Canadians for the last couple of years, no depth. And they were easy to play against. Now they've got depth, especially on defense. They've got, uh, they're, they're definitely going to be harder to play against. And then you look up front, Anderson. We talked about it last episode. When's the last time they've had a power forward? And, I mean, Cole was the closest thing to it. And it's been a decade. Toffoli, he's not a speedster, but he is, he's good defensively. And, you know, he'll go in the corners. And, and Matt, you mentioned, you mentioned a very good point with uh, game management. Julian is going to be able to use his bottom six to do a lot of the heavy lifting where they do the penalty kill uh, this defense. He can use the bottom pair. He can use, you know, bits and pieces. He doesn't need to use his star players to play all situations all the time. So in a compressed schedule, like we're probably going to see a 55 to 65 game schedule. 
game management is going to be key. So th- their top end players are going to be more rested when it comes to the playoffs and they'll have a better shot at the playoffs. So Price has his backup. He's going to be more rested. The bottom, the bottom pairing D and the bottom, the bottom six forwards are going to do all the penalty killing and play some matchup. The top six and the top four will be more rested. And the power play should improve because you're not as tired killing off all the dumbass penalties the guys were taking last year because they were behind. And yes, Drew, I should improve because of this. I, I know there's, there's some of our listeners that just constantly harp on Drew, but the guy is not the superstar Franco. Leave him be. Let him sit on the second line with Suzuki and Anderson and watch what happens. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has there's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Here's what I'm going to say about the, the Drouin and why I, I don't understand fans. Drouin's last year, Drouin was in, led the team in scoring before his injury. Uh, came back, still injured, didn't play very well. Only played, I think, 26 games all year or something like that. I don't think he played much. Um, I think he had 15 points in 26 games or something like that. And when he went for his injury, he was on pace to have something like 73 points for the season. Come to playoff time, started off slow, but come to Philly series, ended up tying Suzuki for the team lead in scoring with seven points. and was a big reason why Suzuki had the goals he had go back to the season before when he scored 18 goals and had 53 points and everyone wanted him traded afterwards. Alexander Radulov in his only season in Montreal had 18 goals and 54 points and everybody wanted to re-sign him for seven to $8 million a season. Yet drew And I know what you're going to say, Blaine, you're going to say because he's French and they brought him over to be the French superstar or something similar to because that. Because they traded a young player that everyone fell in right. love with after he left. After he left. Because he only played four games before he left and no one knew who he was. Exactly. Right? 
So I get what you're saying, but my point is you can't put one guy on a pedestal for doing the exact same thing another guy did. Yep, Drew in has his ups and downs or whatever, but I think if people just get off his back and let him play the game, you're going to see a totally different Jonathan Drew in. Speaking of pedestals, um, Brendan Gallagher. So Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he got re-signed to a six-year, six-and-a-half million per deal. With the Leafs. And, yeah. And when uh, the day after when Bergevin had his press conference, he got a bit choked up about the quality of person that Gallagher is and the kind of player he is. Like, n- literally in tears at, at several points during his press conference. So my question to you guys is going to be, was this deal a fair market deal for Gallagher? Uh, Matt, what do you think? 100%. I, I, a lot of people looked at the money, looked at the term, and um, I just kind of smiled. I said, that's a fantastic deal for, uh, for Gallagher. Um, and I know one of you guys have the, uh, have the stats from Dumas. If you guys, if you want to read it out after I'm done talking, um, this guy's the heart and soul of the team. That's that's the only way I can put it. He um, he battles every night, doesn't take a shift off. Guy takes sticks to the face or gets tripped up, slammed into the boards, chopped in front of the net by defenders that are twice his size or goaltenders, etc. Uh, like this guy plays like he's ten feet tall and he's you know four hundred pounds, you know, and he. Um, He's a he's a guy that's hard to move, and he always keeps getting back up. He, uh, he I said he's the heart and soul of this team, and I, I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine this team without him. And and we see we see how he is in the locker room, and um, yeah, like I, I you know I, I can't say anything I can't say anything negative about the guy, unless unless I can say you know like. I hate your parents for you not being like six four, but other than that, I mean, you're great. You know, you're a great guy. Keep doing what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I thought the six and a half was perfect for the team and for Brendan Gallagher. I think the six years is perfect. It brings Gallagher what thirty four. I think what's he twenty eight now? Yeah, he's twenty eight now. So it brings him to 34, a guy who plays the type of game he plays. is going to get beat. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get, you know, he's going to wear down quicker than, say, a Druin who kind of stays away from the corners and stuff like that. Uh, but to uh, your, the stats you're talking about there, Matt, uh, from Mark Dumont, uh, this is five versus five. So before everyone starts going fact-checking on the thing, this is not including power play points and stuff like that. So This means when all five skaters are on the ice yeah. between both yeah. teams yeah. and someone's not sitting in the penalty box. <laughs> so all these stats are five versus five. <laughs> not even strength, not power play, not five versus five. What about four versus four? Shut up, Blaine. Anyway. He's fifth in goals behind only Matthews, McDavid, Kucherov, and Ovechkin. Five versus five. Take away the no power play. We're not counting power play. Because I know people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Uh, He's first in shots, first in individual high danger shots, first in rush attempts, first in rebounds created, first in CF percentage among forwards, first in XGF percentage among forwards, which – Gets all the analytic guys horny when you say XGF percentage and how good Expected it is. Expected goals for. 
expected goals for. So that's what we got for six and a half million. He could have easily probably got seven, seven and a half million. Probably if he went to the market. He is a 30 goal scorer, not just one time. I think he's done it twice or three times. Twice at least. Um, And he would have been another one this year if we had a full, uh, maybe. He might have been another one this year if we had a full season. Uh, yeah, he yeah, he was on he was on pace for, for yeah. thirty, um, and he was injured for part. He was injured for a couple of weeks this season. So, um, yeah, so we quality player. We got a heart and soul of the team. We got a guy who who wanted to stay. Uh, uh, we got a guy who who loves the team, loves the city, loves the um, the atmosphere. And I'm going to make a point out something. Just going back to free agency, it just came to my mind. There was a poll put out by Don Cherry about who had the best free agency frenzy, and Montreal wasn't listed on it, and people kind of freaked out. Technically, Montreal only signed one free agent. If if you if you if you want to look at it, and you, you guys know me, I'm a bit of a technical technically. Technically. Um, so if you look at that and say, well, they had a great free agent, they had a great off season. They didn't have a great their free agency was just Tyler Toffoli and Baddock. That was pretty much all they signed. Like scoring that. thirty. Baddock scoring thirty goals this year. Baddock is going to be the next Bob Probert of the NHL. There you go. Twenty-five uh, goals. I know we I know we joke, but Baddock really was a good pickup. He was. He was. He's going he to was. be a police he, officer for, Yeah, for the AHL. For the AHL. Yeah. So before and, people freak out, he was brought in to help the AHL because. I know this may be uh, news to some people, but Bergevin is also the general manager of the Laval Rocket. And if you didn't notice, before he made all these NHL signings, he pretty much took care of the Laval team. Yeah. And then said, all right, Laval's done. Let's continue on. Yeah, and we brought this up in the last show. Like they lost, they lost that enforcer-type guy in McCarran. So they bring in a guy like Baddock, who is, a very, right, is a very imposing figure. Yeah. And, you know, we'll take on all commerce, et cetera. And they still have Pizzetta as well, which I brought up in the last show as well. So you put those two on the ice, you know, people are going to keep in line. But he focused on Laval because he knows how important it is for that team to make the playoffs this season to help his, his uh, minor leagues, the young prospects to develop. The more they play, the better the, the more exposure they have to playoff hockey, the more they'll develop. They, they look at AHL playoff games as worth two to three actual regular season AHL games. So it, it, it quickens the development. So just to go back to Gallagher, I mean, Matt, you're, you're 100% correct. He's a heart and soul type of player. And, and this, is what, this is what gets me a little bit. I know Treg loves the technically stuff and – I'm going to go on this technical thing. Uh, Bergevin has always stated that he never talks about a player's contract or negotiations before it happens. Technically, that's a lie. He mentioned openly at one point that he wanted to make Gallagher the highest paid forward on the team. So Gallagher means so much to the Montreal Canadiens and to Bergevin specifically, that he actually, he actually broke his own cardinal rule and released some information. And even after that, in air, I'm going to do it in air quotes, nobody's seeing this except for you guys, but 
talks broke down. So to me, that's just Jerry Johansson trying to uh, bring the attention back to his, his own player, which is fine. I mean, I can understand Gallagher's point of view or the Gallagher camp's point of view. Um, I mean, we saw something similar to this happen in St. Louis with Peter Angelo. They bring in Falk. They sign him to a big deal. They sign other guys to big deals. No problems. They, uh, they, they sign a free agent in, um, in crew and gave him big money. No problem. The negotiations are going fast and easy, but for some reason, the negotiations with Peter Angelo didn't really work too well. So I can see, I can see where Gallagher's agent may have felt that that's the kind of scenario that was coming up, but clearly a day later, that's proven false. And Gallagher gets what pretty much everybody agrees is a fair deal. Now, I, I know, Tred, you mentioned the whole body breaking down thing because of his style of play. And we've talked about this in other shows. But um, you look at the, the injuries he's suffered, and none of them are really from his style of play, but from other players just trying to kill him. It's from Shea Weber slap-shotting him in the hands. Or yeah. Niskin and cross-checking them in the teeth. Yeah, You know, but stuff I, like that. The point it's I'm making is hard. he plays hard. hard in front of the net. He plays hard in the corners. Yeah. And, yes, it's from other players, but it's still his style of play. He yeah. could avoid the corners. He could yeah. avoid the net. And he could probably play till he's Joe Thornton's age, which is 772. So, um, But that's not him. That's not the kind of player he is. That's no, not that's not. And But yeah. what I'm saying is the six years good. I mean, if you look at all the contracts, the Foley four years – that takes to Foley into 30, 31, uh, 32. Anderson, seven years. That takes him to 33. Um, uh, Gallagher, six years. Takes him to 34. Uh, you know, all these contracts they're signing, he's getting them in their prime years. So he has them signed to the team for their prime years of, uh, of play. And uh, once their prime years start wearing down is when the contract ends. So, well, quote unquote, I'll do the quotations. I mean, they could play, they could be like uh, Weber who plays, you know, he's 34, 35, and he's still playing pretty much the same level he played at 27, 28. The, uh, the key is with these little players, slower, but the, the players that do well into their mid thirties or later are not the ones that base their entire game on speed. Correct. I mean, it, it's good to be fast, but uh, I think Julian has made this distinction at several times where he likes players who are fast, but he wants them to play fast. It doesn't mean the same thing. It means so, making, like, your, making quick wants, decisions and acting on them. So he wants a player like Mete who has all the speed and fastness and speed and good skating, but he wants them to actually do something with it, which Mete doesn't do. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to use that example, it's, it's odd that you pick Mete, um, because you're one of my so favorite much. players. Oh, yeah. you, must not, you must not hit your follower count or something. <laughs> no, I said 2,000. If I got 2,000 followers, I would, I would quit shitting on Mete. I think I lost followers, so uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. People are protesting. Screw that. We want to listen to him make, sh- make fun of Mete. I think Victor <laughs> Mete followed and unfollowed you just to keep you going. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. It, it is quite possible. Um, I mean... It, so um, I know, I know because we're in a COVID times and people are expecting t- players to take less money and stuff. I mean, 
Toffoli took a little bit less from his last contract to sign with the Canadians. He, his contract's very team friendly because there's no there, there's there's nothing attached to it. There's no bonuses. There's no trade clause. There's no uh, no nothing. No nothing. It's just four years at four point two five, and we pretty much have full control over you. Yeah. Now, um, I liked his he, interview as well. His interview. Yeah, it was good interview. His, his, inter, his interview was very good. He uh, he mentioned when when asked, you know, why Montreal? There was other teams that were interested. Um, some that offered him more money. And what? Someone took less money to play in Montreal? Oh, my God. I know, Lies. right? And uh, he, said, uh, he said simply that um, when he was with the Kings, he knew that the Canadians, there were rumors that they were interested in him. And he, he, you know, he wanted to be part of that. Uh, he wanted to be part of that. He wanted to be part of the uh, – the up and coming uh, youth movement, et cetera. And he wanted to, uh, to be part of this winning culture and a team that uh, is, is, you know, taking the steps to become a, a better team. So as, 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 uh, as Trey said, it's a very team friendly deal. If it doesn't work out, it can be moved. And, and he can be moved easy because there's only 4.25 million for an annual 25 to 30. He's basically Thomas Tatar, a younger a couple years younger than, you know, they, they have the same type of stats, 20, 20 to 30 goals in that range, yeah. uh, 40 to 60 points. He's a guy that'll go the net a little bit more, but yeah. I agree. Yeah. But that, that's what I mean. Like similar stat wise, they're very yeah. similar, but he, yeah. different styles of play. Yeah. But back to my point on the, uh, the, the COVID and the ca- flat cap, people were concerned that there was talk that t- players are going to take less and, that's probably why a lot of uh, the, the only negative comments about Gallagher's contract is they feel maybe he got a little too much, maybe 500,000 a year too much, but let's be honest. I mean, the big name players are going to get their money. It doesn't matter. It just like Peter Angelo, Peter Angelo signed for his money that he wanted in Vegas, despite the fact they have to move, they had to move cap out. So the big name players are going to get their money. So Gallagher, if he would have hit the open market, he would have had this probably a little bit more just to get him. Vancouver, Vancouver fans were drooling the they, second they, there was rumors. As soon as they said Trey's talked off, Vancouver fans just assumed he was coming to Vancouver. Yeah. You know what? But TSN, TSN Sportsnet, the, the exact same thing. As soon as they said um, contract talks have broken down, the first segment, it was – you know, Canadians preparing for life without Brendan Gallagher. And it was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Uh, what's his, and what's literally his... the next day, this all went away and everyone's like, oh my God, Bergeron. Uh, who's that French guy, Blaine, that wrote the column about uh, Gallagher's last days in Montreal? The Gallagher is finished in Montreal. Uh, uh, he's from 91.9. He's, yeah, he's, a, yeah. he's a troll. He essentially yeah. trolls the Canadians. Tremblay, is it? Or, uh, Régent Tremblay. Régent Tremblay. And so he, uh, his he whole basically thing, said, yeah. Gallagher is done. Tout fini. Uh, his days are finished. Yeah. yeah. Um, but his whole thing is it's, he's kind of like the French Brendan Kelly. He just trolls Habs fans. And that's fine. Maybe but, it is and, Brendan Kelly because we haven't really heard from him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the but, other uh, day I said the other day he had a tweet out saying, "Hey, I'm really impressed with the offseason move by Bergevin. It really looks like he wants to put this team together and put it to the next level." I, I almost fell off my toilet when I was reading it because <laughs> every time I read Brendan Kelly, I'm usually on the toilet. So, uh, yeah, drop like, the Trump. 
<laughs> but but back to back to to Gallagher. Um, and I mean the whole rumor about the the talks breaking down came from LeBron, Pierre LeBron. So it's a reputable source. But yeah, Matt, you're right. The second he said that, I think it was the very next segment after he mentioned it, was, well, I guess Gallagher's going to Vancouver, and here's a video about it. He's a perfect fit, and Vancouver fans were drooling. Oh, Gallagher's coming here, blah, blah, blah. Well, what happened? He re-signed in Montreal, and uh, Bergevin, just for good measure, said, screw you, Canucks, and took to Foley. Really? So yeah. who's the winner now? <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I don't, I kind of lost my train of thought, but with Gallagher, when it comes to Gallagher, I, I never had a doubt that Gallagher was going to sign, resign with the Canadians. Uh, but really, if you want to look at what Bergevin's doing now with Petrie, with Gallagher, is he is with this flat cap, he's kind of sorting out all his in-house contracts now he's keeping his core yeah he's setting yeah. his core and he's doing it now instead of waiting and saying oh well maybe next year what if it goes down next year you know what if we can't have any you know revenue we lose revenue again and you know this flat cap is going to be 81.5 next year but the next the following year it could drop down to 75 <laughs> it could drop you know so i think he he's looking at that he's preparing I think Bergen's a lot smarter with the cap than people give him credit for. Um, I know a lot of people until this year were like, oh, we never spend to the cap. We always get 10 million over, 10 million over. And I agree with what Bergen used to say. I'm not going to spend my money just to spend my money. Like I'm not signing a player to speak. Oh, well, I couldn't get Gardner. What's the next best left-handed defenseman? I'm just going to sign him for how much money. It doesn't really matter. I think he made the mistake. I think the Alzner deal changed his whole way of dealing with free agents. And if that's what it took, good. Yeah. So if anyone wants to not shit on Alzner, say thanks Alzner for teaching Bergevin a lesson. Well, it looks like the Bruins fans are going to be the next ones to get pissed off that Alzner signed with them because hey. it, it looks like he's going there. I didn't mind Alzner. I don't see what all the hate was about Alzner. It was his contract is what it was. Yeah. But personally, I, I didn't mind. I didn't think he was a terrible defenseman. So we all agree that uh, Bergevin has done an excellent job this offseason with all his moves uh, overall. I mean, we can nitpick about a little too much here or not enough there. I don't think there's really much to doesn't matter. About. The team has improved. Now, my question that I'm going to lay out to you guys now is how much – is this team improved enough to compete for a clear playoff spot in the Atlantic division? Uh, Matt, I'm going to let you go first. Cause you know, Treg's a villain. He took over all that, uh, that time with rambling, the I'll drunken, it, I'll, the drunken I'll ramble. I'll keep it quick so we can go back to him and I'll say, uh, I'll say yes. Uh, the, the team, uh, the team turned heads during the playoffs. They, um, they addressed their needs and they've, uh, become that much better. So I say, uh, absolutely. If this team can, uh, if this team can compete during uh, during the season, address those areas that they uh, kind of lacked in when it came to um, the penalty kill and the power play and that kind of stuff, hundred percent. And 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 now you've got a you've got a goaltender in Jake Allen that uh, can take some of that load off of Carey Price. He'll be more rested for the playoffs. The team's harder to play against in the back end, and we've got some goal scoring. We've got more depth. Well, you so look at Buffalo. Look at Buffalo picking up Hall. They finished two points behind the Canadians. 
did they do enough? I mean, are the Habs that much of a clear winner in the offseason where they can offset Buffalo adding Hall or uh, catch up to teams like Toronto added, you know, legendary players like Joe Thornton? I'd say, I'd say 100%. I, I really do. And we, um, you know, before we get into the other teams, like, um, yeah, yeah, they brought in Taylor Hall. Will that chemistry be there with Eichel? More than likely. Will they stay healthy like they have really um, struggled to years prior? We'll see. Uh, will the Eric Stahl uh, deal work out for them? Who knows? Uh, when it comes, you know, going into Buffalo, um, you know, it all comes down to goaltending for them. If they can't stop the puck, then they're not going to be they're not going to be much of a team to play against. And the fact that they've been trying to move Ristolainen now for the last few years, like what's his mentality going to be like? This was another year that he wasn't moved. But um, going back to the Canadians, yeah, 100%. Um, this is a playoff team. Uh, they've become a better team, and they should be able to secure a, a good standing in the Atlantic Division or the Canadian Division, whatever the hell they're going to call it next year. Um, and moving forward, this is, a, this is a team that is going to grow together, and they're going to become that much better. With uh, with the youth coming in, more draft picks, etc. Hundred percent, hundred percent. This team's getting better. Greg, let's see oh, some yeah. scene rambling. It, it definitely got better. Um, it went from a bubble team to a playoff team, basically. Uh, before we said they're a bubble team, depended on depth and made sure they didn't have injuries. Uh, now they have all the depth in the world, uh, and they added to scoring. They improve their defense, improve their goaltending. If you improve every faucet of your team, of course, it's going to be better. My, uh, my thing, though, is, is this team is actually built for the playoffs. So not only are they a playoff team, I think they're a team that could probably go far in the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to win a cup or anything, but this team is built for the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see next year's playoffs when Montreal gets in, how well they do. Okay, well, uh, now we look at uh, other teams around the the Atlantic. We're gonna we're gonna assume that there's we're not gonna go into the Canadian Division crap. Uh, we're not sure what's gonna happen, so we're gonna stick to the Atlantic. Um, now we're gonna look around a little bit and see what other teams have done and see how Montreal stacks up on the improvements and where they should be. I mean, we all agree that this team should be a playoff team with the moves that were made. Hands yeah, down. I'll just make a statement here. I don't think not, not necessarily in terms of free agency as Treg brought up earlier, No, no, just right. But, the but, off in, teams, but in teams for off season moves, it, there's no doubt that out of this division, the, the Canadians are the ones that took the most radical change. Yeah. I brought it up earlier. They didn't give up a lot to do it. And they're the ones that vastly improved over the rest of them. Like bar down hands, yeah. hands down 100%. They got Evanson, Allen, Tafali, Anderson, Braddock. I guess you can add him in there. No, for uh, for basically Domi. And a third. And a sure. fifth. Sure. And a seventh. But I'm just saying, player wise, in and out. They got all those players yeah. in with only Domi going out. They they didn't touch the roster. They gave up Domi and then brought in all that stuff. So the team should be a playoff team. Now we look at the uh, the rest of the Atlantic Division. Um, the cup champs, Tampa Bay, are in hard against the cap. They're, they're putting guys on waivers. Like Johnson was put on waivers. Nobody claimed him because no one wants to 
help Tampa without them adding. So they've got $5 million under the cap and they have to re-sign guys like Sorelli uh, uh, and Sergachev. Uh, I mean, he's okay. Um, but he's going to be asking for bigger money and he should. I mean, he's a cup champ now. That's, you know, it's the way it works. So, I mean, Tampa's got a lot of work to do and they haven't done very much. I mean, they've lost a couple of guys. Um, so they're going to have to find ways of replacing them and staying under the cap. So they've got, they've got a, a whole off season to do it. I would assume that no matter what they do, they're still going to be in the top three in the Atlantic. More, more um, than likely. More yeah. than likely. They've got, they've got the skill and they've got the goaltending. Um, and you, you, say, you see guys like Maroon that re-signed, et cetera, right? Like Luke Shen came back, et cetera. Like they, they've, got some, they've got the depth, and they've already got that, um, that top six or top nine that they've already got them signed. Like Kalorn, Gord, Palat, Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, they're all there long-term. Ryan McDonough on defense, um, Hedman, and then you've got Vasilevsky, who's arguably one of the better goalies in the league. Yeah, so but they are in cap. There. They are they're in cap there. trouble, as you said, oh, yeah. and they still need to make some moves. They still need to find out what's going on with Johnson. But I agree, they're they're a top three team for as next is. year, more than likely. Yeah. Now they're probably not going to win the cup again because of this, but making the playoffs, yes. Now the Bruins, uh, the Bruins haven't done very much, and they lost Krug, one of their top power play uh, weapons. Uh, they've got some injuries to start the year. They're not expecting. Uh, two thirds of their top line back in time for the season to start. And it doesn't look like the Bruins are really doing very much to add. I mean, they added Wilson or sorry, not Wilson Smith to, uh, to the lineup, which is a good, a good addition for them. A third line center, excellent choice, but it looks like they're kind of treading water in the, with all the injuries and the, the, player losses it looks like they're just punting punting the season down the road waiting for the next year but they're an aging team they don't have a ton coming up uh for uh for prospects so they're gonna have to rely on free agency next year which they might be able to pull off but this year um i don't see them being as dangerous they'll be a playoff team i think top three in the in the division but Come playoff time, I don't think they're going to be as tough of an out as they have been in the past. Well, you got you got guys like um, Marshawn and Pasternak. They're going to start the season injured, so when they get back, they're going to really have to hit the hit the ground running. Um, they still need to sign Dubrovsky, as you said. The only one that they really really brought in was Smith, um, and um, there's there's still all that negativity right now around Tuka Rask and what's going to happen with that. And uh, how the fans are going to um, they're going to react to him coming back, even if he does come back. Like, well, obviously, we're not into the season yet. Um, and uh, what's going to go on with Chara? Also, they still have money to spend. They still need guys that can live up to that um, goal scoring ability of the Mershon Pasternak. You're not going to get that out in the open market, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw somebody like. Um, Maybe like Hoffman, maybe them being maybe them being um, attached to him. I'll say I'll say that he's going to go there or he's going to go to the Canucks because Montreal took to Fulham. Well, I mean the Bruins were rumored to be in on Hall, but they had to. They admitted they had to move 
cap out and yeah. then Hall said, screw it and sign the one year deal in Buffalo. But uh, I just, I just don't see Boston being improved. As a matter of fact, I see them uh, taking a slide back. That's why I think I, I they'll agree. be a playoff team, but uh, m- maybe not win that first round this time. And that, that brings us to Toronto. The other team that would, you know, the dynasty, the Stanley Cup for 20 straight years team. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Treg, you, talk, you touched on it a little bit. Their defense has improved. They brought in TJ uh, Brody to, uh, to play on the right side. Uh, they, that, that gives them three actual top four defensemen. I mean, he replaces Barry, who wasn't a fit there. He, he just did not fit. He wasn't used right. He wasn't played to his strengths. Whereas I think Barry's, uh, not Barry, uh, Brody's going to be more of a player that fits what they've got now. Barry's but a they very, don't, I mean, Barry's their defense. a very good player when he doesn't have to defend. Yes. Which fits perfectly with Toronto. Right. See, when, he, when he has to, when, when push comes to shove and he has to go into the corners and he has to try to clear the front of the net, He's garbage, and we all know that. Yeah, Muzzin's their only very, guy. Yeah, he's very much he's very much a uh, a power play guy. Very much a you know we've got more players on the ice than you type guy, right? Um, but yeah, uh, they also brought in Bogosian as well, who just won a cup with uh, with Tampa. Um, veteran guy. We say veteran guy. He's only thirty, but still, like he's been around for quite a long time. Um, he'll help the team. He'll help the team, even if it's a bottom six. He'll help but their the team. defense. You know, isn't it's, it's no not better. It's, it's no not, better. It's, it's it's not like they 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 uh, they lost Barry and they lost Cece, and they brought in Bogosian and um, and TJ Brody. You see, this is where I disagree. I think their defense is better. I think Brody Bogosian and Brody are upgrades to Barry. They are. They are. But they're only slight upgrades. They're yes. not. Uh, yes, it's not, not a monumental thing. It's not, it's not a monumental like thing. No. Uh, but to get those upgrades, Toronto downgraded on the rest of the team. Agreed. So now I know we're a Habs uh, uh, podcast. Stick to the Habs. And uh, but the point I'm trying to make here with Toronto is, you have your top four, which takes up half your salary cap, and I know Toronto fans are in denial of that. That's not a good thing. Sorry, it's not. Uh, however, after those four, who do they have? Yeah, they, they got rid of their depth. They, they got rid of, rid of their, their depth. depth. So now they're, people are going to argue, well, we got Joe Thornton. We got Jason Spezzo. We got Wayne Simmons. Joe Thornton won the 2006 Hart Trophy. Eat it. Yeah, but you get Wayne Simmons isn't the player Wayne Simmons used to be. Joe Thornton is far from the player Joe Thornton used to be. Uh, Jason Spezza, far from the player Jason Spezza used to be. Um, and that's, that's just your fourth line. That's your fourth line right there. That's your bottom six, yeah. That's your, that's your bottom six. And you only have yeah. three players in your bottom six that you can really talk about. Who else? Mc, uh, that uh, Russian Mikheyev guy? He hasn't even re Still hasn't yeah, signed. And if you go back on their defense, Hall and Dermont haven't signed either. Right, so which is a big hurt for them. Like Hall is an actual decent. He's actually defenseman. a good defender. He's a good yeah. defenseman. So Justin Hall actually did sign. Did he? Hall, did yeah, he sign? Yeah, he's a, a three-year two per. Is that like recent? That's actually a good deal I for. Th- him. I think so. Yeah, Dermot's the only deal. one they haven't signed. Dermot and McKay are the only ones they haven't signed. So, 
and they will they have need what, too. Uh, at, when I looked uh, yesterday, last night or this morning, they only had 1.4 million in cap space left. So, um, it, I don't know. Like Toronto, I know the fans are. I mean, they're similar to Habs fans. Only they, I think they overvalue all their players, where Habs fans undervalue all their players. Um, but they signed Thornton. Everyone was playing in a parade. What is Thornton going to do for Toronto? He can play. He can help their power play. He really could. He, he could. can help their power play, and he's going to be a good locker room guy. Is he going to be a guy that's going to put up 60, 70 points? No. Um, is Nick Robertson going to do that? Probably. I don't think Nick Robertson is. <laughs> I, I just said it just to make you guys shake your heads. <laughs> I mean, now, I mean, I've gotten a couple Twitter discussions with Leaf fans. One guy, I, he was trolling me, so I just trolled him back until he blocked me. Um, anyway, but the point I'm making is, you really downgraded your depth, which you had pretty, you had Kapanen and you had Johansson, yep. which could easily go into the top with an injury. They could easily fit into that top six yep. easily. A matter of and, fact, I think Kapanen, and what if, and what if you lose some of this depth that you have currently to injury, correct. who's going to step up now they sit there. Now they want to get rid of Kerfoot. Yeah. Because they said that they, yeah, they said they brought in Thornton, so we don't need Kerfoot anymore. So now you're now you're de- now you're getting rid of all your top six, yeah, except for your your four. You're turning the team into what kind of what Boston is. You're you're a one trick pony. You have the one line. You just got to shut line. them down, and you're done. You just got to shut them down, and you beat the team. Yeah. Now with them being the with their big top four, there the uh, big money earners, they can make two pairings out of that, make two lines, and that's fine. But um, what but we're looking at, in, but Toronto's not exactly like what they were aiming for was trying to get a team that's harder to play against. Like the Canadians were a little bit soft and they went and they picked up players that changed that. And that's, that seems to be what Dubas wanted to do, but to do that, he went out and got older players that have names, but aren't what they used to be. Uh, he went out and it, it makes the fans happy. And, oh, and that's fine. I mean, fans can be happy or sad, but to evaluate what's there, he's got older players to fill a bottom six role that used to be top six players, but their names. I mean, it's it's the as you know, as Treg mentioned, like this is a one this is a one one and a half line team. Yeah, that so, um, that makes you pay when you play bad. So when you take a penalty, this is. That that's when they pounce. That's usually that's how they score their goals, and that's how it's going to continue. Soft. But, but the point I'm trying to make at that's the point I was trying to they're get still, back to. They're still a soft team. They're still 100%. soft. So when, you got a, a compressed schedule, which is kind of like the playoffs, where they're going to be playing back to back nights. They're going to play three and four. That's where you need those gritty guys to step up and make the grind the games down, slow the games down, and other teams are going to do that. Can the Leafs? with what they have, deal with that. And I don't think they can. Only if they, play, only if they play the fourth line 20 minutes a game. Yeah, and <laughs> make the playoffs, sure. This team, I think this team will make the playoffs. They can play the playoffs based on their that, those four players. Because those they can players score. can put them in the playoffs. But they once they're there. They just can't do anything in the playoffs. But once they're there, they're going to be too fucking tired. Yeah, it's actually... all, they've got, all they've got for real, like um... – you know, truculence or, you know, whatever you want to call it on the back end. They, they've got two guys that can play with a little bit of anger and play with that, with that um, 
phys- do that physical style of play, and that's Muzzin and Bogosian. Other than that, that's really well, it. Riley doesn't play defense. Riley's the Paul Coffey of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He doesn't play any defense. Bobby Orr. He's a Bobby sure. Orr. Remember the comparisons uh, were to Bobby Orr. Muzzin is your only two-way player. Muzzin's your only guy who's going to put up points and play. I, I like defense. Jake Muzzin. I always have. I, I like Jake Muzzin, too. I always I mean, like Jake Muzzin. I mean, and I'll admit, the Leafs did upgrade their defense, but nothing significant. Like, everyone thinks they, oh, my God, we got one of the best defenses in the league. No, you don't. No. You got three really good defensemen and then three – yeah, three. And it, well, just, and it just takes one of those guys going down. They lose Riley. There's their weapon on the back end. Well, Riley and they Muzzin lose, had injury issues all last year. Yeah, they lose Muzzin, which they did in the playoffs. Well, there goes there goes your your yeah. size, and there goes your uh, there goes your physicality on the back end. Basically, what's going to have to happen is their top four: Nylander, Tavares, Marner, Matthews. Those four have to step up and each become. 80 point players or better. And to keep that, to keep that level going into the playoffs, if they don't, if you shut them down or even two of them down, that team's going to lose. They don't have the depth to keep up. They might actually win a playoff series. Don't get me wrong. All they'll do is if they falter, they're blaming their goaltending like they did this time. Yeah. They did not address their actual needs. Like you looked at, you look at what Tampa Bay did to lead up to this Stanley cup this year, they had a bunch of really good players. What did they do? They went out and got their bottom six sorted out and that bottom pairing sorted out. They got Bogosian, which Toronto did. And not knocking them for that. That's a good signing, but Tampa gave up a couple of firsts. They got, you know, they got guys to, to go and dig out pucks in the corners, play, grind teams down, uh, Pat Maroon. I mean, they, they pick on him and they call him Fat Pat, but come playoff time, you want that those kinds of guys on your lineup. Pat, uh, Maroon's got back-to-back cup championships now. So they the Leafs did not get everything they needed. They're still a flawed team and they lack depth. And that can be, that can be exploited. So the way I see it is uh, Toronto is going to be fighting for that third playoff spot in the Atlantic maybe a wild card. So this is where the Canadians start to filter in. They could Boston, Toronto, Montreal. That's that. That's, that's the, the battle. Who's going to be two, three, and four. Toronto also has nine UFAs next year with only 15 million in cap space. But that's next year. No, I know. I'm just saying like to, to put Toronto's. Yeah. Toronto you just need to sign a, nine veterans to $700,000 contracts. And you're good to go. They're basically in a must-win now situation. Is what I'm trying to put. For yeah, this. they're really, they're really. Uh, Their window yeah, is closing yeah, very, very fast. much so. Yeah. If so, I was a Leaf fan, I would be, I would be upset about this. Um, you've got some great players on that lineup that are not being optimized. I mean, you, yeah. Dubas has got to move one of those top four, and and the Tavares signing, as great as it seemed at the time for them, that's that's what's holding them back. It was a. Ter- it was a terrible signing, and the fact that they didn't need him. It wasn't I'd, still, a terrible I'd, say, no. I'd say this for me. For me, it's um, it's Tavares and Marner. Marner's a good player, but he's, for uh, we, we've we've player. seen it a few times. Um, players on the Leafs hold out, and Dubas just saying, "Okay, we'll give you." He buckled. Yeah, absolutely. It happened with Neil Lander. It happened with Marner. 
it started with Nylander. Had he held to, uh, held to his standard and let Nylander just miss that season altogether, he, he blinked at the last minute and signed Nylander. Had he not done that, I think that this team would have started to see it differently and guys like Matthews and Marner would have taken less because they would say, well, okay, well, they're sticking to their guns. They have a, they have a plan. All right, we'll stick to the Shanna plan for the cat. <laughs> but they didn't. Dubas, Dubas blinked, and now yeah. he's, he's kind of behind the eight ball. They, and it's his own doing. When Shanahan took over with Lamorello, I think they had a plan to have a little bit of a longer rebuild. Yeah. Lamorello left. Dubas came in, and all of a sudden they were like, no, we got to win now. And they well, winning in. the lotto and getting Matthews helped that along a bit. It did. And uh, oh, tanking but, I mean, for Matthews, yeah. Matthews, mm-hmm. though, if you really think about it, Matthews after uh, this, after 23 24, Matthews is a UFA. And he might not be coming back to Toronto. So. Well, that's, that's, that's down the road, but we're, I'm focused on right now. I mean, the least but, problems are going to be on offside, uh, offside talk. So if you're looking for a least podcast, <laughs> but they're a great one. The reason I'm bringing up the future is because they, this is the year I believe Toronto really has to. They focused on this year to pot. win. Yeah. yeah. They have to shit or get off the pot and none of the moves they made this year are showing that. Yeah. If they, if they lose out in the first round again this year, we're going to be seeing guys, we're going to be seeing big moves. Someone like oh. a Marner might get traded. Toronto could battle for a wild card spot and maybe miss the playoffs again because they missed the playoffs this year. <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, if we're going to get technical, so uh, we're going to move off them. Uh, Buffalo, uh, I mentioned them before. They got Hall. <clears throat> They've got a good young team, and Hall and Eichel together. I mean, that's going to be a potent pairing. They have Is a that good, enough. They have a good top six. I like their top six. So right now, your top six is likely going to be Eichel, Hall, and Olafson. Yeah. And then I, I'd put Olafson because he's their yeah. big power play guy. And it, before him getting um, injured, he was likely going to be a top three guy for the Calder. Um, and then your second line, you're likely going to have Stahl, Hall, uh, Stahl, Skinner, and Sam Reinhardt. So your top six is, is pretty good. It's just from there, it's when it starts to go down. And um, Gergensen's a good third liner. Yeah. But, 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 um, but it, for me, it all comes back to goaltending. They've got Hutton and they've got Allmark. We'll, we'll see how it goes, and they still need to sign Allmark. Um, but um, but I, 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 just don't see, uh, I just don't see this team making waves this season. There's still a few pieces away. Um, they've drafted well over the last few years and they've, uh, they've got some pieces. They're just not there just yet. Yeah. Defensively. I think they look pretty good in the future, but this year I, I, there's too many question marks for me on D as well. They I mean, Darlene's the, one of the, the big funnest, one of the most enjoyable names in hockey. Oh, in God. U- Uka For goaltenders. For goaltenders. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he and he's a couple years away still. He's kind of like Primo, where he's a few years back. But um, but their defense, I mean, after Darlene, there's a lot of question marks, and even Darlene's a question mark, as he's you know he's in his second year now. So I don't know if they have enough, but they're going to be dangerous. They might actually be able to pull something off. I know it's it's it, people have been saying that for ten freaking years, 
But who knows? With Hall there, maybe. Uh, I don't know. If they hit a good run in, the, uh, in a condensed schedule, anything can happen. And then the rest of the division, I mean, Florida, they've taken a step back. But, uh, the, I don't well, see Florida's going Florida's to be a new team next year. They're yeah. going to be they're going to be a new they're going to be a new team. They're they are going to be a harder to play against type team. But you, I agree, they've taken a little bit of a step back. Um, it's all going to come down to Bobrovsky for me. Yep. And if which, he can if he, he can didn't rebound, do anything last year. If he can rebound, but like they went out and they got uh, Patrick Hornquist, who's going to have some fire under him because he didn't look bad during the Montreal series, and then all of a sudden Pittsburgh's like, we need you because we need this guy. Um, they brought in Wenberg, who apparently Montreal was in on, um, who's going to be another guy that's going to be playing with a little bit of fire under him because he was bought out. Um, Hennestros is the same way. And um, they arguably have two of the best contracts in hockey in uh, Burakov and Huberto. Yeah. But again, it, it comes down to defense and goaltending with these guys. Yeah. Every and if year. you look at their defense – You've got Ekblad, you've got Gandel, you've got Strawman, etc. And you wonder why they have so many holes and why, you know, you, you look at these names and like these aren't guys that are just pushover defensemen. They did add Radko too. Yeah, and um, they just can't put it together. And it's, I don't know, I don't know. They, they lost Adnoff as well, right? And they'll lose Hoffman. And they lost Hoffman, yeah. Now, uh, Buffalo's, I look at Buffalo and Florida the same. You look at their team, you think, this is not a bad team. But for some reason, they can't put it together on the ice. Buffalo, no matter who they add, no matter who they draft, no matter what they put out there, they can never seem to put it together for a full season on the ice. It's like and a Jenga. Know. It's like playing Jenga. They're missing yeah, I, that one piece. And as soon as they try to move something to fill that spot, the whole thing crumbles. Like you would say, putting Hall with Eichel and their depth, like you, they have a good second. They have a good top six. They don't have a bad bottom six. Their defense isn't terrible, but it's, it's not be, behind Dahl and Rust. Uh, Rust line and you know I mean they got Miller they got uh, a, a few other guys but, but they've uh, got AHL goaltending that's the problem you you got Carter Hutton and now uh, uh, what's his face Lettuce Allmark uh, yeah Allmark was supposed to be the the next guy but he's just not turning out to be the next guy he's, he's an average goalie Hutton's an average now Carolina they have average goaltending they seem to do fine but Carolina's entire team is sort of on another level than Buffalo and it plays well together in the system that's put in. And I don't know if Buffalo doesn't have a system or what it is. Florida's the same way. Florida got good players. They had Huff. They had two good. They had a very good top six. They have very good defense. They had one of the supposedly best goaltenders in the league and they couldn't do anything. And they've got Joel Quenville coaching them now. Yeah. And they, you know, and it, they're, I look at Florida, I look at Buffalo as those teams that you can't put your finger on it, but for some reason it just doesn't work. But you can't sleep on them either. No, no, you can, that's my point. Like you, you, you go into Buffalo and you go, we should beat them, but it's always like, or should we? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's like Detroit. <laughs> who we can, <laughs> we who absolutely we can, should beat them. Absolutely, who we can get into next. Yeah, I don't know how you can beat the Leafs all season, but lose to Detroit all season. That's right. So let's, let's bring up Detroit. Let's not. Let, it's too painful. <laughs> Actually, Detroit improved. They did. They have. Yeah, they did. They, they, have. They, they picked up Thomas Grice, so we'll see how he is as a starter. Uh, 
they brought out they brought they brought in Demesnikov, uh, yeah. Bobby Ryan, who good for Bobby Ryan, very happy for him. Uh, he's going to find a home. Brought back Sam Gagne. We're going to see the uh, the lethal Philip Zadina in a full season. Phil and Nets. Phil and Nets. Uh, we're also going to see uh, if they resign. Is there still RFA's um, Tyler Bertuzzi and Anthony Mantha? But their defense is uh, completely different. They brought in uh, Mark, Mark Skull on a trade. John Merrill. Troy Stetcher. John, uh, John Merrill. And uh, they brought in Grice, as, uh, as Drake said. So I think this a is lot a, of, a lot of these guys. Are, they brought in a lot of these guys to kind of showcase and then trade deadline them. More than likely. More than yeah, likely. They're still it's rebuilding. An, it's they're an not going to be a playoff team. team. No, no. But, it's, but they are improved. They're, they're going to compete. And uh, – they're going to win a few more games, but they're not going to be. They're, like, they're not obviously. They're not a contender. They're like they're going to make the games interesting and yes. fun to watch. That's yeah. what they they want the fans to sh- to watch them play. Yeah, that's what they're setting themselves up for. And we got to remember, Iserman is back with Detroit now. Yeah, right. So, so and they'll probably beat Montreal all year, but no that, that'll be the only losses Montreal has all season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look at what CVY did in Tampa Bay. He took a team. It took him eight, nine years. He made the playoffs 50% of the time. But once he was done, I mean, yeah, Julian Breezewell showed up this, this past season and added two, three pieces, but it was just tweaking. So Breezewell tweaked what Eisman left behind. Now, uh, Breezewell picked the right pieces to tweak, and it worked. So he deserves that cup. But Eiserman laid the foundation, and that's what he's going to be doing here in Detroit. So, yeah, Detroit sucks this year. But in about four years' time, Detroit fans should be happy with what they see, unlike Ottawa. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No-name hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. Ottawa. Uh, Fuck they're Ottawa. Dumpster, they're still a dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> but they did add Dadanov. They did add uh, Austin Watson. So... You know, oh, the the wife beater. Yeah, that's a great. You can put up a good fight with uh, if you're a woman. Um, <laughs> oh, and married to him. Uh, Aaron, uh, Eric uh, Grabranson, um, and Matt Murray. Now, I don't think they improved like Detroit did. Uh, I don't know what Dananov's going to do with the players he got around him. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, he has Kachuk, Connor Brown. And Simonov, they don't. He's not going to have Barkov feeding him one-timers in the power yeah, play. Um, their defense is 
Shabbat, so, like, and that's about it. Shabbat and Zaitsev, I guess. That'll be their top pair. They but, do have you know, Habs legend Mike Mike Riley, so I mean, that's true. Uh, they they became a bigger, harder team to play against. Like they're going to be a pain in the ass to play against, especially in close games. Um, or they're gonna they're gonna be those. They're going to be that pain in the ass team. They're going to be the one that runs, the, you know, that runs players, that the, the, the scrums after the whistle, that kind of bullshit. They're, that's the team that they're going to be, especially them bringing in good Branson, Josh Brown, um, those kind of players, right? Austin Watson, et cetera. I think they're an AHL team. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, like, but... For me, the big thing was them re-signing Matt Murray to a four-year deal worth uh, 6.25. And this is a guy that got, yeah, this is a guy that got pushed out of Pittsburgh. And then in his interview, he's like, you know, I just found it a really good fit in Ottawa. It's like, yeah, if somebody fucking gave you 6.25 million, you're going to say that hundred percent. I'm not a Matt Murray it's fan. It's great. It's great. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Matt, Mur- I think Matt Murray's an average goalie at best. Yeah. He won two cups with a stacked Pittsburgh team. Uh, yes, he had a good playoff run with Pittsburgh there when they won their that first cup he won. But other than that, I don't know. I'm not a Matt Murray well, fan. I, I don't think I don't think Ottawa is going to make a big splash. I no, don't think no. uh, Dan Ottawa's I'm, not making the playoffs. They're they're oh, a rebuilding no, team. Matt's right. No. They're gonna they're gonna compete well. But uh, and they've got all this youth coming. They got great prospects. They just made. They had a great draft this year, and that is I think where they're going to look amazing. I I think they're going to look amazing in Quebec City in three years. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, I, think, I agree. I think Ottawa will be a good team in three years. They'll be back to where they were when they went to the Stanley Cup with Carlson and them. So um, for me, you you really brought it up in uh, their prospects. That is where they this off season. That's where they really shined. Um, they had one of the better drafts, but you kind of have to with the amount of draft picks that they had and the high-end draft picks that they had. They were able to bring in uh, Stutzel from uh, Alex Trebek, um, Jake Sanderson, Ridley Gregg, um, Robbie Giravente, Tyler Clevin, and Sokolov. These are all guys that they brought. So those, those are six picks they got in the first two rounds. And these are all guys that arguably can, uh, can at least be a, a high-end AHL guy but you look at uh, Stutzel and Sanderson, they got one of the better forwards in the draft and arguably one of the best defenders in the top five. So, you know, the, uh, the future, I'm not going to say the future is bright. I'm not going to jump into the, I don't, I don't feel that their prospects pool is as deep as what some people say that it is because a lot of these guys are unproven. Um, but, but they got uh, a lot it, of high end guys. They They've do. got three or four high end guys and the rest are kind of boomer. Well, like, like for instance, like um, if if uh, you know we, we haven't seen the guys like Ferment and, and Batherson really take the jump, or Logan Brown, or uh, Nick Paul, or these kind of players, like they're on the team, they're gonna be on the team, but they're not guys that have really jumped up and uh, taken the bull by the horns and said like, okay, it's it's my time, I'm gonna go. They these are guys that have still been pushed down into Belleville. And they haven't they haven't taken that next step. They've got guys like Lassie Thompson, who's got a hell of a shot that played for Kelowna. And then you've got Sanderson. Some people are saying he's he was the best defenseman in the draft. Um, Stutzel's going to be coming off a broken hand or broken wrist or whatever the hell that it's going to be. So how ready is he going to be and what kind of impact is he going to make at the NHL level? So at the end of the day, as we're looking at the entire division, 
what position do you see the Canadians fall into? We've broken down all the teams. Um, so where are the Habs? Treg? Top three. They're on thir- they're third? They're, I think they're around third. I think they'll be behind Tampa, either Tampa and Boston or Tampa and Toronto. Okay. Depending on how Toronto fares off. Matt? I'm going to say top three as well. I'll say, uh, I'll even say second. I'll say second to Tampa. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to stick in with you guys there. I'm going to say top three. I think probably end up third. Um, I, I do see Boston pulling in a second again, uh, just because they have the experience and they're probably going to sort out a couple of the holes that they've got now. Uh, I just don't see Toronto. Uh, now Montreal obviously needs to be healthy all year to make it happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, I see them in there as well. Now, the Habs are up against the they're up against the cap. There's only about 300k in space. Who do you think is going to be the cap casualty? Because right now, our listeners in a poll run by Habs Unfiltered, um, with just under 400 votes, uh, who's going to be sacrificed? And 57% said wheel. 38% said Byron and 5% said other. And those 5% all said Drewing. I'm not, not kidding. Be, it's not going to be Drewing. Well, no. Uh, I think it's going to be a combination of Byron and Kulak. A wheel could be a casualty too, because he can be put on waivers and sent down to the. Yeah. And you only save 1.075 if you do that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, so technically he could be a cap casualty. Uh, but I'm going to say Byron and Kulak are going to be the two guys gone, depending on how Juleson and Fleury do in their preseason, I think. What about you, Matt? I'd say Jordan Wheel. He, um, we saw in the playoffs, he was very soft. You know, he had played two games. Um, he was kind of like Mete. He didn't get a shot on goal. He uh, he threw one hit during the whole uh, during the whole time, and he was used very sparingly. When they, where they had to use guys like Weiss and Belzil, etc., and um, it, it kind of showed the lack of depth that they had. And like I know that it was the end of the year; they had traded out a lot of guys, etc. They 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 uh, they got rid of Kovalchuk, they got rid of Cousins, etc. But um, it really showed that you know he's not he, he's a He's a bottom six on some teams, but he's more of a, a high-end AHL or on this team, now, especially now. So um, at 1.4, I believe he's making. I, I think that uh, if they can find a, a suitor for him for just a draft pick or something, that'd be a fantastic deal for the Canadians. Or as Trey alluded to, you put him in the, uh, put him in the uh, top six in Laval, at least to start the year. Now, th- that all makes – the. You guys make perfect sense, uh, but my, I've got this gut feeling that Byron is the guy that he's looking to get rid of. Byron has three years left, including this season. He's worth uh, he's signed for about three point two, and with the buyout to Alsner, that's going to drop down by from four to two million. Um, diff- different caps are going to drop down. Some are going to move around a little bit. The Habs are looking at about twenty five million next year. So they should be okay, but to make any real additions, 
a guy like Byron is probably going to have to get moved out sooner rather than later, just so that they can open up that roster spot and give him a legitimate chance to, to be a, an NHL player somewhere else. And he, and you know what? I, I, nothing against Byron. He's no. um, he's a guy that plays a hell of a lot bigger than his size, and uh, if healthy, he's a fifteen to twenty plus goal scorer. He scored twenty he, twice. He kills, yeah, and he kills penalties, yeah. and his speed is a weapon. Yeah, so but the year the years, the years that he didn't, um, he's he's been injured. Yeah, like he's still I, right. He had fifteen goals the year that he was injured. And, la- and this year, he may, be not, he may not have made it, but he only played 29 games this year. So, My, my thing on Byron is he has his, – his contract isn't the greatest for, for, for what he is, but he's not a fourth-line player, and he's going to be buried on the fourth line. I don't see Lekkonen playing fourth-line minutes. Lekkonen's too good of a two-way – I think he's a better two-way forward than Byron is. Uh, Byron has the speed, and he uses that to his advantage. But uh, I don't see – Byron's not a fourth-line guy, and he's just going to – it's like putting Domi on the fourth line. Not to that extent, but Byron's more of a third-line guy who can play second-line minutes. Uh, and to bury him on the fourth line, I don't think it's fair to him or the team. It gives you a better fourth line for sure, but – Especially since he's got an A on his jersey too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel he he's the odd man out here right now, and uh, – He's an Ottawa boy. Ottawa needs to uh, put more money on their cap. Maybe they take his 3.42 or whatever it is. No matter who's moved out, the Canadians are going to have to add something to sweeten the pot. I would like to see Matt Martin. That's the rumor going around. So he's staying not- in the uh, he's staying with the uh, New York area. Yeah, that's what I hear too. But he married Boomer Siason's daughter. He's not leaving. <laughs> um, that, that's why a guy like Braddock could come into the conversation as that fourth line guy. Yeah. I'm just saying he's a fourth line guy who plays tough. He's like a Nick Delorier. But are we at that level with this team? They're not no, they're not in the retool, no. they're not in the rebuild. No. They don't yeah. need to bring him in. I, I'm just throwing it out there. So uh I think we've pretty much covered everything we were gonna cover. Uh I'm gonna leave you guys uh with you know final thoughts. Uh Matt. Any final thoughts? I'm just looking forward to seeing what these divisions are going to look like and when hockey's actually going to be able to be back because this is an exciting team that's looking really looking forward to seeing on the ice, seeing these development, uh, seeing the development of these players and um, how Kakanyemi is going to look coming back from Finland. And yeah. Um, yeah, how the chemistry is going to look with some of these guys. It's going to be an exciting team to watch. Looking forward to it. Greg, what about you? Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah. No one to... cares what you're thinking. That was terrible. Um, no, I just think I'm excited. Like Matt, I'm excited for the season. I think uh, this is the first off season where I felt confident that this is going to be a playoff team where I didn't have to say, well, a bunch of ifs, if no one gets injured, if this year I can say, I think they're a playoff team. Even if we have a few injuries, I think we have the depth now to cover it. Uh, there should be no issue. If Montreal doesn't make the playoffs, it's a coaching issue, and that should be addressed early in the season. Or, you know, Bergevin's loyalty to his coaches betrayed the team. Um, and that's really I, – I think this is a uh, – this is the first year of a – I think a very 
long playoff type team and uh, I'm excited about it and my 2122 uh prediction starting to come true so yeah well there you go um so I want to thank everyone for listening sticking with us this long uh, through all our goofiness and I know we I know we strayed from just talking about the Canadians and talked about other teams it's okay you're allowed to do that it's it's okay they're not in our heads it's okay so um thanks for listening and uh we hope you enjoyed it and if you didn't leave us a dm if you did rate us five stars on uh on apple uh and share the hell out of our stuff We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please, click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.